I enjoy driving. I mean, I've flitted between RS6 and RS3s, really, and since having them, I've just become more interested in the engineering of the machine because it's so finely tuned, really, I suppose. And also, when you're capable of going, you know, it's a wonderful thing to have that speed at your fingertips in a car, you know, when you join a motorway or something like that, and you can go, right, let's have it. That's Matt Smith, the man who played Doctor Who, Prince Philip, and will soon be adding a Marvel character to that list with a role in Morbius. Most importantly, he's a massive car nerd. I'm Alex Goy, and this is Audi, Behind the Rings. Matt's love of motors began at a very young age, when his dad pretended to let him drive the family car. Now, he's an Audi ambassador and proud owner of an RS6 that satisfies his desire for both speed and comfort simultaneously. An incredibly busy man, ever darting up and down Britain's finest motorways, as we'll find out, Matt very kindly found a moment between filming and walking the dog to chat to me about epic road trips, autonomous vehicles, and why a car is a brilliant place to bond with people. So, hello, Matt Smith. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right. What we'd like to know, really, is you and cars, what's your relationship with them? What's your earliest memories of cars? Was it school runs or is it mucking around in first cars in places you shouldn't have been? Like, what's the deal? My dad used to get a company car and choosing that company car, sort of going through the brochures with him. I was so excited to see what new car he'd get and we used to go out and have a look at it. And it was just it always felt like a, a real event, getting a new company free car and they're always quite you know quite sort of decent cars actually because he was a salesman and he was traveling around so he needed it and and um i'd say that was probably right up there with the earliest i would think and then another early one is my granddad gave my dad his old car and my granddad on my dad's side was quite fastidious he was a very interesting man he was in the army and stuff but he kept this this German machine, shall we say, very well kept. Anyway, he gave it to my dad and it sat on the drive for a bit. And my dad was going to give it to my sister, who's a bit older than me. But me and my mate one night tried to take it out. Not Again, not far. Anyway, we only got to the bottom of the clothes because it didn't have any petrol in it. So it was like sort of the middle of the night and we had to push the car back up the hill, try not to let all the neighbours know and uh, get it on the drive. And of course, the next door neighbour saw and, 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 and actually quite kindly didn't tell my dad. Your neighbour sounds like they earned a pint for that one, because that's a bit of a saga. You could have been in a whole world of trouble. Well, I could have been. And actually, the same neighbour used to see me when I couldn't get in the house and I needed and I'd like left my key or my mum had forgot to put a key out. I, I would climb on the roof, you know, the house had sort of two roofs and, and, and climb through the window. And he saw me doing that a couple of times. I mean, it was you look back and go, what an absolute lunatic you were as a child sometimes. Um, yeah. Roof, roof climbing, breaking and entering your own house and stealing your dad's car. I mean, it's it's kind of like a genteel version of Grand Theft Auto. It is a little bit, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, we, we were never going to take it anywhere. We, we It was one of those things where we just kind of sat in it and then. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And there was actually another moment I sat in my dad's car and uh, I let the handbrake off and it, it rolled into my mum's car. Again, I was quite young playing in the car, which is a stupid thing to do, I suppose. And then finally, last but not least, when I was very young, and this one I don't remember, but the family tell the story, I stuffed all of my toys 
up <laughs> up my dad's exhaust, as it were. And it, you know, it ruined his exhaust. What on earth they were doing letting me play behind a car unattended, I'll never know. But there we are. I mean it was it was a different time. I think it bloody was a different time. Christ, can you imagine? But hey, you survived, so that's that's the important thing. Um, when did you learn to drive? Uh, I was eighteen, and um, embarrassingly, I failed twice. And then I lied to to, to to the instructor and pretended I was going to Cambridge, and sort of performed because I thought maybe that will sort of push push it over the line. Is he'll think I'm well educated and and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I just kind of created this whole character. But the truth is, my dad just took me out after the second time I'd failed and said, right, come on, let's get this nailed. And I, I had a car that I just that I just got, which was a wonderful little car, I have to say. I had it for years. And by the end, my friends called it the shed because it had like gaffer tape on the sides. And But it was, uh, it was a great little car. It used to get me up to university and back. Anyway, and so I passed the third time. And then, you know, like many other people, felt that sort of overwhelming moment of freedom and sort of semi-adulthood when you take your mates out for the first time and go what's happening I can drive anywhere and um I sort of fell in love with it really I love driving I love it I love going on driving holidays I love you know there's a touch of partridge in me like that I suppose (laughs) so what what kind of driving holidays are we talking like trips to the Nürburgring gentle a gentle amble down to the Riviera if we're going partridge like a, a jaunt to Norfolk well, you know, I, I mean, the most recent one is I, I flew into Florence and then I drove down to Sicily via sort of uh, Rome and Amalfi and uh, did that in a small Italian car, nothing too fancy. But then along the way, a friend of mine who was a producer as a sort of gift after a film, very, very kindly. Uh, and I was with a friend at the time that had, had, had arranged a sort of supercar along the way to be picked up and driven which was amazing. But then we found, we got to this tiny little village in Sicily and said supercar just couldn't fit through the streets because this thing was wide, you know what I mean? It was, Mm. and fast. And it was like driving, you know, it was like like driving a tank, really. But I love the, I love the getting to one place a couple of days and then being able to get, you know, back out on another adventure straight away. I've done it in America a couple of times as well. which, which bits of the states have you hit up? Well, I started in New York and I went down through New Orleans and across the sort of south to Vegas. And then on a different trip, I went from L.A. up that west coast. I mean, I try and drive whenever I'm in America, really, because it's in five or six hours. You can you can hit such otherness in the landscape and stuff. You know, you, you, one minute you're in L.A. and then in 10 hours you can be in the middle of Yosemite. But uh, I sort of feel I should do it in England, really. I, I quite like to drive around the coast from li- sort of literally do a circle around the coast of England and sort of kind of Scotland and Wales and then end up sort of maybe go over to Ireland and do that. That sounds that sounds bang. I think especially now because of, you know, the world being terrible, a lot of people are thinking maybe I should have a bit of a closer look in in my backyard. Like where would you where would you start your trip from? Would you start at the top of Scotland or would you nail it down? I, I think I'd maybe go right down to Land's End, start there and then go back up past Devon, you know, do sort of the South Downs, all that round past Norfolk, and then go up that way. 
and uh, you know Lincoln, blah blah blah, and and and, and sort of <laughs> Lincoln, Grimsby, mm, Grimsby, all these, all these, all these hot spots. But yeah, and then you know because you get up to the Isle of Skye and places like you know what I mean. I, I just it's it, it's such an amazing country, England. Actually, I I just been filming down on the coast of Cornwall, and you sometimes this is a stupid thing to say, but. Sometimes you forget that we're, or, or I do rather, you forget that you can get right to the coast so quickly. And then, sorry to jabber on, but the other, the other driving holiday I want to do is I want to drive to Copenhagen, go over to Malmo, and then go up through Stockholm, get to the top of Sweden, see the Northern Lights, come down the other side, and drive down sort of Finland and end up in Helsinki. And I want to do that in a big car, like a, a bike in the back and stuff. Luckily, I, I've I've got an RS6, so I can. It's big. I can get a lot in in the back. I can get a mate, my dog, and a bike. See, I have two questions, and I'm going to start with the RS6. So, of all the motors out there, you've you found yourself with an RS6. What do you make of it? Because I I make no secret that they're one of my favouritest things in the whole wide world. Yeah, I might join you there, mate. I think it's the best car I've ever ever driven. I don't think I'll ever drive. Well, I'd like to think. I don't think I'll ever drive another car. I just love it. It's an exciting thing to get into every day, I have to say. And that's my touch of partridge. And, you know, you start to obsess about things like the brakes. And, and also, you can just get, you can get your dog in it and then still, you know, go faster than the Ferrari next door. It is. I have, I have taken perverse pleasure in having one in. And then if, if on the way home I happen to drive in via like Knightsbridge and Co and you get the boys in their, in their big silly supercars and they're spitting flames and they're playing loud music and being a little bit obnoxious and you just go, oh, oh, where have you gone? I, I appear to have left you somewhere. Oh dear. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, boom, I call it the beast. You turn it on and you hear it sort of, you know, you hear it, it gives you a proper growl. Have you ever tracked it Have you ever, or, or taken it to Germany and done an autobahn run in it? Do you know what? I'd quite like to go to Germany and do that. But, you know, I, it's the tracking thing is taking your own car around a track mm. is, a, is a bold move, I think. It's it, it, it can be a bold move. I mean, you can you can have a man sat next to you who'll tell you how not to crash it. Yes, good. Because, I, I mean, especially that. But um, I'd quite like to. I mean, when I did, again, sorry, this is a bit of a clanging name drop on the floor, but it is a car show, so there we are. I did Top Gear, and I was talking to the Stig about that, and he mentioned another person who'd come on the show who was a sportsman, I, I shan't name his name, but who brought his own car down, a really big, amazing supercar, and he'd really screwed it up. Trust me, guys, I've got this, and the Stig went, just don't, don't rouse your own car around a track. And so I've I've taken, and then he took me out, and I said, "Would you, you know?" He said, do you, do you, I said, "Oh, I'd love to go round properly." And he said, "Well, look, I'll take you." I said, "All right." And I've never experienced anything like that. I'd never approached a corner. I didn't realise you could approach a corner or should approach a corner at that pace. When a proper race driver takes you round, and you just think, uh, well, or or um, sentient race being as the Stig is. You, you nail it round, you just think, oh, well, this is normally where I'd start braking and I start braking gently and maybe and maybe give a little more if I'm uh, if, if I'm going in a bit too. No, no, we're still going still flat out. It's very noisy in here. Oh, my face, my cheek is peeling away from my face. It's great. So I want to I want to loop back to your your road trips. When you do these, do you do them on your own or do you have mates with you? No, I have to say, majoritively, I've had incumbent girlfriend or a friend. 
and they vary in sort of tone really i mean i did one with my mates and we did uh, we did literally no word of a lie from sort of new york through new orleans through texas through i mean it was a stupid route really but we did the worst hotels in america you know to the point where you'd get in and you'd be like you'd go to bed fully clothed and it was cold it was like winter at the time and we'd wake up and like there'd be like you know ice on the on the mirror it was a budget tour basically whereas some of the other ones have been slightly more lavish and nice hotels and all that sort of stuff and uh but both have their virtues i must say it was was the worst hotels tour in america was this a deliberate decision by the sounds of things it kind of was but it was it was pretty much a deliberate decision it was and it was all the better for it really and we did it in a big dumb convertible is what is the only way i can describe the car really big dumb silly convertible big comfy soft and squishy yes yes quite square annoying to park frankly and not not even that fast. Terrible seventies funk on the on the stereo. That kind of that kind of big and square. Yeah, exactly, exactly. See, I, yeah, I, I like I like the sound of doing stuff like that. Do you when you get in the beast every day? You do these these road trips. Do you consider yourself a car guy? Is is that who you are? Well, I, yeah, I do kind of. Um, only because I think really since 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 having the sort of I mean, I've flitted between RS6 and RS3s, really. And since having them, I've just become more interested in the engineering of the machine because it's, you know, it's so finely tuned, really, I suppose. And also when you're capable of going, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to have that speed at your fingertips in a car. You know, when you join a motorway or something like that, and you can go, right, let's have it. There's a lorry there, and I want it to be behind me by a great amount. Yeah, yeah, obviously in a safe and steady way. Um, I just, I enjoy driving. It's something that, it's not, I, I just don't find it a chore. You know, people hate driving in London and all that. I really don't. I sort of quite enjoy it. I mean, a, a bit of driving in London can be a nightmare. Like, trying to cross London Bridge is difficult and awful and... Yeah. And I actually did that in a music video recently with a friend. And um, we did it in an old classic car that belonged to my friend whose video it was. And that hadn't been driven in, like, 20 years. It was a beautiful, beautiful car. But I was the first person to drive it and London Bridge just had so much traffic and, you know, we're filming at the same time. You know, it was a challenge. Was it overheaty and stuttery and I'm guessing there was no roof so people were staring at you and taking pictures? Yeah, and then there's also like a camera there and then, you you know, then there's this sort of acrid smoke started to billow out of it. And I thought that, A, can't be good for the car, but B, is definitely not good for your lungs. I mean, I mean, when acrid smoke starts pouring from a car, it's never good for the car. <laughs> I know, That's... I know. And this was the worry. But it looked cool. It looked really cool in the video. So, you know, job done. But I've been quite lucky like that in, in, in sort of, you know, films and stuff like that. It, it, like when I was playing Prince Philip, I got to... I got to drive some absolute bangers because he had some great cars. He wasn't messing around, he, you know. And then, uh, and then, of course, drove around London in a taxi. Yeah. Many years of his life just because, you know, there's a touch of rock and roll about him, I think. Do you find, like, because in, in, your, in your motors, you know, they're, you know, RS6, RS3, they do tend to draw the eye somewhat. Do you find people kind of pointing and staring? Do you think maybe the anonymous taxi route could be the one for you to slip around town on your own? No, sadly not. I'm, I'm, you know, I've a need. I've, I've too much of a need for speed and comfort, and a dog, all that business. I think. Um, but certainly with the RS6, people are interested in that car, particularly people that like cars. I mean, it's, it's sort of catnip to people like me. It's like, so it's a big, comfortable estate, 
and it's got a V8. Yeah, and it looks cool as bleep. <laughs> so uh, you talked about supercar earlier and it maybe getting a little bit a, a little bit stuck. Did you enjoy like when it comes to supercars, do you enjoy like the power? Do you enjoy the experience? So for example, like Audi threw you the keys to an R8. I know well they had at least they had a, a bright yellow rear wheel drive R8 on the fleet. What if you had that for a day? What would you do with it? Would you try and do Lands End to John O'Groats? Would you see how far you could get? No, you see, because the thing is about those cars is the actual comfort of driving them simply doesn't match like a car you could tour in that has speed and power and stuff as well. You know, it's just I I, I always thought I'd want a sort of car like that, but it, it turns out no, I I don't think I would really. A because like you said, sometimes they do draw the eye. And I think that's what's lovely about the R60s. It, it does, but it doesn't. You know what I mean? It still could be a family in there or whatever. Okay. So what we need to do then is we need to get you on track with someone who's going to teach you how not to crash it in a supercar. Yeah. When when it comes to like cars and driving itself, how are they a part of your life? Like, because by the sounds of things, you know, your 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 motor is is your ticket to any and everywhere and, and experience and, and bright and bouncy joy. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in it a lot because I have the dog and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of driving to different walks and stuff like that. And I go see my mum a lot back in Northampton. So that M1 journey, I could, I could literally, I could draw it out for you. Do you know what I mean? Uh, also, generally just in London, you know, I go out and get my shopping and all that. I, I, I use the car for all that normal day-to-day sort of stuff. And do you find, like, the RSX, do you find people are like, ooh, are people more interested in it than in you when they spot it? Yes, 100%. They couldn't give a toss about me. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? They just go, oh, mate, that's a nice mate. I'm like, yeah, thank you very They're much. It's lovely, yeah. Great. Cheers, mate, yeah. No, you know, I, I agree. I go, yeah, isn't it? It's all right. It's all right. Very good on fuel. Very, a bit quick. You know, can, can be a little bit quick. There's the partridge. Well, what I really need to start doing is, is having some driving gloves and a driving hat. You know, I'm not sure what Partridge would make of the RS6. I think he'd quite, I think he'd quite like it. I mean, he's got an interesting approach to cars, isn't he? He's very, very methodical. He's very, uh, how, how does he do it? He's, he's sort of, he wants the best bang for his buck. Anyway, so we talk about your, your road trips and where you've been from fancy hotels to the tour of the worst hotels in America. I did something very similar last year before the world collapsed. I, I feel your pain on that one. There's some properly scabby places out there. What's your dream road trip scenario? Like, where do you go? Who's with you? What do you see? And before I carry on, what kind of dog have you got? Because you've mentioned him a lot. I've got an Irish terrier. Um, well, I, where would I go? I guess I'm intrigued about getting... There's something about the snow which I'm sort of up for at the moment and the northern lights and all that. And like I said, if I could do something Nordic, something sort of Norway, bit of a ferry, whatever, Sweden, Finland, and even up through out into sort of get a bit Bavarian on it after that, you know, and start getting windy and foresty and end up in Munich, maybe. What, what's on the radio? What are you listening to on the way down? Well, obviously, a lot of this podcast, I'll repeat, my friend, <laughs> and uh, checking on some others. Um, well, look, I've got quite an eclectic sort of music taste. It, it, you know, anything really, God, I, from the Bee Gees to Arcade Fire to Oasis to Radiohead to Nas, Jay-Z. I, I mean, oh, God, to The Who. I, I, you know, they're quite a good driving band. To Pink Floyd. <laughs> Let's get Partridge on it. They're quite to, to ELO, actually. It could be, you know, a bit of disco. It sort of depends on one's mood. 
Uh, was that your 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 Spotify year in review must be either fascinating or terrifying, depending on how you look at it. I think it's terrifying. I think it's quite um, erratic, probably. Erratic is good. It mean yeah. It it means you've got horses for courses. You've got plenty of choice. Um. So let's talk a little bit about your your views on cars. So arguably, your your one of your more famous modes of transport is Atardis. Lots of space. It's quick because it can get somewhere before it arrived which always blows my mind. It's big, it's comfy, there's a swimming pool or two. In sort of all your roles and all, all your work, you've inhabited different worlds and there have been different means of transport, different kind of versions of what the future will look like. What do you actually think the future of travel is going to be? What's your ideal future? Of travel? Well, I think yeah. obviously, you know, I don't know in how long all of the big car companies seem to be moving towards developing decent looking decent performing electric cars which is brilliant i mean i'm intrigued to see at which point and i I don't know how far in the future this is but the sort of the drone mode of transport becomes a genuine possibility where one can sit in something that hovers and moves there was if memory serves a concept that Audi Audi had a hand in that it was a sort of pod you sit in the pod and either there's a little trolley that the pod drives around in sort of autonomously so it'll take you from a to b or if it was quicker a little helicopter thing would come and pick you up and fly you off how does that sound wow i mean look i have flying as a general rule of thumb freaks me out anyway you know like people i don't mind i don't mind it but i always get a bit jittery and the idea of drinking sort of gin and tonic on a plane always feels alien to me even though occasionally i will but helicopters that is that i just i just don't really do helicopters is it the inherent instability of it yeah and it's the inherent i mean especially ones that you know that have one engine you think well it's curtains isn't it it's curtains if it goes wrong in a helicopter you're in deep deep trouble so i don't know but i do think in the long term something a la demolition man is gonna sort what, of the three seashells what <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> the three seashells yeah well they had sort of electric cars they're not that far off if i remember rightly those police cars and then what else was there blade runner was anything what was sort of hovery uh michael j fox had had a had a hoverboard didn't he see i'd love one of those i was wanted one of those have you seen those those e-scooters whizzing around town at the moment and people like jumping lights and it, i kind of see them and now I'm realising I'm becoming an old person and I see them drive by and I'm like, you're going too fast, but then thinking that looks... I mean, they really... look quite fun, though, those things, don't they? A couple of weeks ago, I was sat kind of working at my desk and I looked out the window and there was a bloke with a, a Bluetooth speaker strapped to his back doing a wheelie on one. It must have been going like 15 miles an hour. And I was like, OK, part of me is outraged, but the other part of me is incredibly impressed at your balance and can I be your friend? Yeah, yeah, fair play to you, mate. Um, where do you see it going? I, I'm hoping for autonomous pod style things eventually. Uh, we talked about it in an earlier episode of the podcast where it's like you want to get the boring bits out of the way. So the, the drudgery, the motorway, the being stuck in traffic. And then when you get to a fun bit, you can go and kind of let your hair down and, and go a bit nuts. That's I kind guess of- even if I had a car that was autonomous, I just part of the experience of driving is to drive. Do you know what I mean? Is to actually be in charge of the machine. And the idea of just getting in and sitting there, and I, it's, I don't know. 
Maybe I'll enjoy it. I, who knows? I think it's it's one of those cases where that future is kind of a perfect merge of people who like cars and people who go, oh, I don't really like driving, but I do it anyway. You know, so they don't ever have to do the fun roads, whereas the people... Can we actually develop to a point where it is totally trustworthy to stop and start and travel at pace without... I mean, yeah, of course, we we're not that far off it, are we? Probably. I mean, that's a question for, for people with many, many, many degrees. But it, it, it's one of those things that's being worked on and is sort of it's it's just round the corner. It's it's very much on its way. But it's a, you know, there, there's testing all over the world. I think there's an, an autonomous pod being tested either in Cambridge or in London. I can't remember where came out a couple of weeks ago. So it, it's coming, maybe not as quickly as some people would prefer, but it, it is on its way. Um, car people and sci-fi people and fans of your work, you know, they can be quite similar. They know everything about their chosen area. They're very passionate about it. Are you ever kind of staggered or, or blown away or even a little bit worried about some of the questions and love thrown at you? Like what kind of stuff's happened to you? Well, you know, listen, with any element of this sort of job so much of it is thrilling and and the majority of the of the people that are invested in shows like doctor who or you know i think that's the type of thing that you're referring to is that's that's wonderful really i mean sometimes it can tip over into something that is slightly stranger are you allowed to tell us what that is or you know I, things that that encroach just slightly too far on your personal space or your life you know, when you're like, which are only a result of the job. And that can be quite odd. But I think generally the the enthusiasm, I mean, I think certainly with Doctor Who, the fans are pretty, pretty wonderful. And the enthusiasm and being part of that world and that family is is a, is a gift, really. Um, I think it is an interesting comparison, though, the sort of, the way I suppose what you're talking about is people that can geek out, for want of a better phrase, on something, whether it be you know, <laughs> a sort of, as Partridge might say, you know, a chassis or um whether it may be a minute detail about some alien race in doctor who i just think those sort of passions and hobbies to an extent are really important and what we sort of need but you know when people start hand delivering letters to your home and stuff that gets a bit weird that's a bit intense it is yeah it is it is a bit intense actually but there we are that's that's a, that's part of the course but the huge love must feel pretty pretty shiny yeah oh god i'm I'm so thrilled to have been part of that show particularly it was just the best part and, and, and just one of the most wonderful times of my life actually and and actually sort of talking about driving it's i drove we would film that in cardiff mm -hmm. so the m4 became both my friend and my nemesis really because you know the sort of elation of coming back having worked really hard and had a good week at work on a friday I'd have a few beers in the back of the car, you know, and I've had the same driver on my jobs for 12 years now called Jason. He's on the job that I'm doing now on House of the Dragon. And that relationship is is really wonderful, really, We, you know, because you share such an intimate space with someone when you're because as an actor, you're picked up and, and you're driven to work because they think we're incapable of being anywhere without being led on a lead essentially and so you know it's that's become really just through hours in a car one of my you know he's a really good friend because we spent so much time on the m4 up and down in traffic and this and that and that sort of excitement of getting back to london after having been in cardiff 
I'll never forget really. And then on a Sunday night, having to go back up the road and uh, go back to work, so you'd, there would be a slight sense of deflation when you'd get to to Swindon. Oh yes, and, and and Swindon is less than halfway to Cardiff as well, and it's already taken an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the M4 from the Cardiff end doesn't feel so long, but from the London end, it's a very, very long, quite scary road. Yeah, it is. But then you get over the bridge. And also, look, I love Wales. I mean, there's a great country to drive around. Wales. Beautiful. Yeah, man. Did you, so when you when you were down there, did you get much chance to explore? Because there's some good roads quite close. Oh, yeah, I did actually, because we filmed all over. So, you know, you're sort of out up into the beacons and all that sort of stuff and then out to the coast and it was fabulous. What are you talking about? Talking about your drive, actually, because I'm curious. You know, you say you've worked with the same guy for for over a decade now. You're now super close mate. How do you find like bonding with people on road trips, even if it's just up and down the M4? Like, it's do you find being in the back of a car? Do you find that sort of easy to relax and to have a chat with someone, or do you find it a bit pressuring? No, I love it actually. I'm I'm quite good at being in the back of a car. I'm quite a good passenger like that because I'm quite good at just sitting in my own silence i don't feel the need to sort of say very much i read the paper i just kind of get on with my bit really and he's the same well hopefully not reading the paper no no he's not reading the paper but you know it's just it's it's a very easy atmosphere is it nice nice and chilled nice and relaxed you can get yourself in your space and get yourself ready for a week get yourself ready for work and i mean this is yeah you can put something on your ipad or whatever but it's um I'm quite a good passenger like that. But weirdly, I'm not a very good passenger sat in the front seat. Now, why is that? Why so? Is it is it because you're kind of you either want to be in the driver's seat or are you just like in in the back of a car you can you can stretch out a bit more, you can be a bit comfy. There's kind of a, a barrier literally between you and the driver. You can be slightly more anonymous. Mm. Whereas in the front of the car, you're sort of you're thrust into sort of having to be part of the front of the car a bit. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 there's a slightly different role somehow. I, I like being in the back of a car. It's comfy. You can you can stretch and you can do kind of whatever you want and and not worry because that's that is it's back to the autonomous driving thing. One of my one of my ideal features is you know you can sit in your pod and just sort of do your thing for for it. and it's kind of like that except you know it's polite to have a conversation with the chap driving you rather than an anonymous robot telling you what to do um i want to know what are matt smith's top driving tips like how do you, what's your way of getting around oh gosh what's my way of getting around well make sure you've got enough petrol in your car one um <laughs> fuel importance check gotcha you know listen i i always have a bottle of fizzy water fit why why fizzy over still this is this is really minutiae but i don't know i don't know i just you know i always opt for a bottle of fizzy water i'm a fizzy water guy that's another top tip from me you're welcome by the way um and uh i don't know a few tunes get yourself a good paper so when you can stop off you know which and you will want to stop off somewhere you will want to go into MS. Get that egg and cress sandwich with some sea salt and crushed black pepper crisps. Take your merry time. Take your time. That's an interesting one. Well, look, I say that actually, and I'm uh, that's a complete lie from my point of view because I just get there as quickly as I can. Well, actually, it sort of depends on the trip, doesn't it? If you're driving up, you know, the west coast of America, which is really beautiful, take your time. Don't rush it. Yeah, I mean, if if you're doing Route 1 and keeping the sea to your left or to your right and just staring at blue wobbliness, maybe a thousand miles an hour is a bad idea because that is 
That is one of the all-time great drives. It's an absolute beaut. Matt Smith, thank you so, so much for joining us uh, and for having a natter. Maybe now there'll be an army of people camping on the way through Sweden and Finland to try and catch you and wave at you or take pictures with you at uh, the Northern Lights, which will either be cool or amazingly creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it'll be a bit of both. Bit of both. Fantastic. No, thank you so much, man. Absolute pleasure, Alex. Thank you for having me on, mate. Matt, thank you so very much for your time. I'm really hoping we might see you out on a track sometime soon. Well, that's it. We've reached the end of this series of Audi Behind the Rings. But there are loads of great episodes for you to go back and listen to whenever you like. In fact, Matt mentioned he likes to listen to Pink Floyd on his road trips. Well, can I point you in the direction of the episode of this very podcast with Pink Floyd drummer Nick Mason? And there's more on those autonomous cars in the Driving Into the Future show. Thank you so much for being here with me. It's been a real pleasure to have you along for the ride. I'll catch you soon.